Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Happy Wednesday, my friend. It is so wonderful to see you. I missed you. It's going to be a fun time this week because boy, oh boy, have we packed a lot of goodness into this session. If you're new here, say hi in the chat. Let us know where you're coming in from and perhaps what is in your cup. I'm coming to you live from Austin, Texas. It's so good to see Deborah coming in from Fayetteville and Ryan and Christina and Elena and Raul. Oh, it's cold in Seattle today. I can't really sympathize with that because it is 102 here degrees today and I feel like I am melting. So note to self, everybody, keep Texas off your must visit list pretty much from June, July, and August. It's a swamp down here and not a fun swamp, a bad swamp. So just cross it off your vacation list until the fall, but it's so good to see everybody else coming in. If you're shy, I promise we are a really fun brunch bunch. You might've thought, hey, I'm coming to this workshop because I need some more free time in my life and I need to lose the busy work in my day to day. And you are going to get all of that and more, but I also want you to share. This is a two-way conversation. We're having coffee. It's not just Jenny and I hanging out up here. It's going to be you too. So if you have tips, tricks, tactics, questions, whatever it is, that is what the chat is for. That is why this is an interactive, fun little coffee meeting that we have every single week. So hopefully you have done your Google stalking as always, but if not, let me give you a little 411 on who is joining us for coffee today. I am really excited because Jenny Blake is a complete rock star. Again, hopefully you've already done your Google stalking, but Jenny is a three-time author, not one, not two, three-time author. She is a podcast host and she is all about moving people from sort of the busy work, like the, oh, I just am not feeling motivated by this, to feeling in flow, loving their work, creating systems with what she calls delightfully tiny teams. Anything that's delightful, I'm kind of in. And anything that's tiny, I'm also into. Like the tiny cupcakes, mini three musketeers, anything small, I like it. I don't know why. It's why we all like puppies. But delightfully tiny teams to help you move from friction to flow and implement smarter systems in your everyday life. So today we are most definitely going to be digging into her third book, which I just finished reading and have been totally obsessed with. Everybody around me is probably sick of hearing me talking about it, but her third book is called Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, and Love Your Business. So from wherever you are, whether you are cold like Elena or hot in Austin like me, I hope you'll raise your caffeine or consumption beverage of choice and help me welcome Jenny to coffee with us. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Kim. Cheers. 
I'm blushing back here. I'm already smiling from ear to ear. Thank you for such a warm intro. I remember seeing you on Shark Tank many years ago, so I couldn't have known then that we'd be here having coffee now. It's so exciting. I think my past self would have been falling out of her own chair and giving you an offer, of course. I feel like the world works in mysterious little ways like that. Absolutely. You know? It's the best. It's serendipity. We're connected through our friend Vanessa. And I'm just so happy to be here. So thank you for having me. And thanks everyone who's here live. What a treat. Oh my gosh. We have a bunch of people coming in live. Mike and Giacomo and Danny, Liz. It is a full-blown party. And as Liz what said, about Danny uh, from Lebanon. How exciting. Yeah, we got we got people coming in from all over the world to learn how to move from busyness to beautiful perfection in their business. So first of all, I just, I have to geek out over the book in a very superficial way, everybody. So they always say, don't judge a book by its cover, but if we're going to judge a book by its cover, like the foil, the fact that it has a little bookmark, I'm loving this. Aesthetically, it's gorgeous. That ribbon was my obsession. I asked every publisher. I pitched one traditional and then I went indie. And my number one question was, can there be a ribbon? I don't know why I was so committed, but it it feels like the ultimate nod to practicality to give readers a built-in bookmark. And then it should be, like you said, a delightful, joyful pop of like neon orange. So I'm glad you like it. (laughs) And it's practical. Then I'm not like bending the book exactly that's right and the gold foil on the cover and the confetti is on purpose because so many books about time have a clock or a watch it's like we get it we know it's about time but the whole point here is how can we help work feel more joyful more celebratory more spacious and that creating free time is worthy of celebration so that's where you get the gold foil confetti of just not just time not just money but energy in abundance as well it's a party. Yes. <laughs> As is coffee. It's with a party. It it's, a, it's a party over here. Um, <laughs> obsessed with the ribbon. See, everybody loves the ribbon. You can tell your publisher, listen, everybody wanted the ribbon. It wasn't just me. You know, the big secret of you want to know behind the scenes of publishing is that ribbon is $2 a book and it was hand stitched. So most traditional publishers are going to take that $2 profit rather than give the ribbon. But because I was funding a lot of this project, I got to pick and I got to have the ribbon. <laughs> So that's right. Well, as a reader, my secrets of 2021 publishing. As a reader, we thank you for that extra two dollars spent. So awesome. It's joyfully spent. It's joyful. It was wouldn't it wouldn't was, go without it. Okay, the book. Obsessed. Thanks. Obsessed with everything in it, and I wanted. And before we even start, I feel like somebody saw this in my house. And said, oh, is it just a book for entrepreneurs? Because they know I read a lot of like entrepreneurial business books. And I, I'm curious for your thoughts, but like my first take is no. I feel like even if you are in corporate, there is, this is jam packed full of like even personal life. Like yes. life stuff is in here. Yes. That was really important to me because actually Sometimes it's the life stuff on the home front, adulting in general, that creates the most friction, the most annoying tasks that we have to think about and take care of. And so I'm really looking at every level. How do we lighten the load? And although I felt I needed to pick an audience who I was directly writing to, and I did have small business owners in my mind, it's definitely for everybody. I think everybody can benefit. I just needed to take 
for me, a slightly courageous little step of saying, I'm going to write directly to small business owners because they have so much autonomy over their time and often leave corporate to only become their own worst boss. So I just felt compassion and, and this community has been through so much the last few years. But my great hope is that yes, everybody can benefit leaders, even team members who are new to the working world. I kind of wrote this part of my secret desire. My hope is that business owners give this to their team and therefore leaders and managers have to do less work because they just say, here, read this. This is how we work. And yet it's not as boring and dry as so many other business books, especially ones about systems and operational efficiency. I want to just make it fun in a way that everybody could grasp, but still put these really powerful systems into practice. Well, and it feels fun. And I think something that we can all relate to is that feeling of I'm overwhelmed. I have so much going on. You know, the to-do list is, you know, things just keep getting added to it. Not enough stuff gets scratched out of it. So what is, besides get the book, obviously, what is the best first step? Like if someone is like, oh my gosh, Jenny, there's 36 things on my to-do list. Like where, where do I even begin to, to tackle and implement systems? One of my guiding mantras that I borrowed from the world of agile development is each time you repeat a task, take one step toward automating it. Put another way, you could just ask what small steps could I take today to generate free time far into the future? And so what that has, if you're feeling overwhelmed, where I would start is by looking at what are you going to repeat? And I give this example a lot because it is so practical, but something like paper towels, they're bulky. You have to remember when you need more, put them in your cart at the supermarket. If you even go in person anymore and it takes up all this room, just put them on subscription. Then you never have to think to yourself again, let me order more paper towels. It's done. It's automated into the future. You've now just freed up that little tiny corner of your mind for bigger, more creative, more strategic thinking. So if you do um, what my friend Liron calls a mess pile and capture everything that you have on your plate, I would start by looking at what do I know I'm going to repeat? And that could be in your email inbox. It could be systems or process in your day-to-day -day work, or it could be something on the home front, which as we know, as we said, can create just as much friction as anything else. Well, and I love this example you give in the book when you're talking about repeating systems of you're going overseas. I think you said it was London to visit a friend and you were kind of texting her all these questions like, what's the Wi-Fi password and how do I get the key and where's your front door and where's the closet? And that I thought I, it really hit home for me as somebody who has sent those text messages to friends before of really, we don't realize how much we are repeating ourselves over and over and over again. And so would you say that that creating systems, even if it's as simple as a Google doc is not too small, that, that, that that's actually a good first step? Definitely. Because in that example, and by the way, some people hear the word systems and they go, oh, I'm bored already. Let me turn this thing yeah. off. So I just stick with us because the whole point of a good system is it's harder not to use it. You create something so useful for your life or other people that you can't imagine life without it. So the example you just brought up, Kim, was I felt like I was burdening my friend. I, there I was bugging her with minutia in the middle of a work day. She was traveling for work. She was busy. And here I am. How annoying it must be that I'm going to end up at her house before her texting about Wi-Fi and silly things. How do I get there? How do I check in? I just thought this must be so annoying. And yet I knew she loved hosting people. So 
kind of in the same flow of text, I said, and by the way, do you want me to throw all of this into a Google Doc for you? Would that be helpful for future guests? She said, sure, why not? Created the doc, shared it. By the time my plane landed, she had added so much to the doc that was just fly flowing into her mind. By the end of my stay, we had this gorgeous, beautifully formatted Google Doc. I mean, think about any Airbnb will have a guide to how to stay at that house. But yet we don't do it for our own homes unless we are an Airbnb host. We just happen to have done that already. Here we are repeating ourselves with every next guest. And the funny thing about that story was that two or three years later, when I was writing that chapter while staying at my friend Anne's house, the same thing happened. And I asked Anne, well, do you want me to create a Google Doc for you? And she said, ooh, 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 like the one you made for Julie. I didn't know. I never thought to ask Julie after the initial doc, did you use it again? Did you do anything with it? But in that moment, that was the aha that actually when you create something so useful that saves you time and your guests as well, then of course she's using it because she, it would be so much more annoying not to. And so it was just cool that years later, Anne knew about this doc. It had become infamous. And I think it's such a gift that we don't just create for ourselves, that in that case, as a guest, you can offer to someone else when you notice, oh, I'm asking you for something that you're going to repeat down the road. And that's saving somebody else next steps. Which is huge. And I feel like the next logical question, which Giacomo sort of stole out of my mouth is, okay, got it. We, we totally understand that we need to write down these systems that we're repeating, whether it is uh, how to get into my apartment when I'm not there or something to do at work, how to repeat an Instagram post or something like that. What tools, and I, I already know the answer to this, but I, I will resist saying it because I feel like, spoiler alert, you talk a lot about it in the book, but what are some tools that you really love when it comes to systemizing your life? Oh, I love tools so much. Like This is my favorite question because I consider tools my first employee. I'll, if I can automate and delegate much of my work to software, which is incredibly powerful these days and getting ever more so then I don't even need to pay someone because sometimes the hesitation people have about delegating is well, I can't afford it or I don't know if it's the right time or, oh, then I have the headache of people management. There is so much that you can do with software. So I will try to keep it narrowed down. One password I use for all my passwords. And what you might be surprised to find is that I even got my husband on there because he was always asking me, how do I log into this or a meal service or something? And he's an artist. He's a fine artist. It's not like tech and business operational efficiency is his jam. And, uh, but I'll just say, check one password, check one password. So I kind of outsource in that way that, as I say in the book, nothing about the business or even your home needs to live in any one person's mind, because then it creates more stress for that person, more cognitive tax, and you become the bottleneck. So then if I'm not home, my husband or a team member is waiting on me for something. And those things add up. One password is amazing. I use Notion. Notion replaced Google Docs, Sheets, Airtable, Asana, Evernote. It's all in Notion now. Searchable, customizable, interlinkable. It's almost like a wiki. It's my brain. It is an extension of my mind, of my business's mind, my personal life and ideas. It's all in there and it's all linkable and searchable. And Zapier helps software talk to each other. So I love creating zaps that save me time. So for example, if somebody schedules an interview for one of my two podcasts via Calendly, Calendly automatically sends all that information into a Notion card in our podcast production board. Or if someone joins our private BFF community, they, instead of me or a team member having to add them to 
Circle and Google Calendar and all the other places that they get access to, it happens automatically. So Zapier is another one that can be intimidating at first, but really fun once you get the hang of it. And what if someone is thinking to themselves, okay, I love the sound of this, but I am slightly a little bit maybe tech challenged and or uh, maybe a little type A and thinking, oh my gosh, if I trust these computers or like this technology, these systems, something's going to fall through the cracks. Start small. You don't have to give everything over all at once. And of course, there could be security concerns if you have things in an unprotected way. That's why one password is really good. Start with what's causing you the most pain. I, I think sometimes in these conversations, it might you might put pressure on yourself. I need to do this all at once. Or it feels so far to go to get to what I'm talking about and what I'm describing. But every single thing I've ever created came from me getting annoyed first. Like I had a, an email that I had answered the same question from new team members four times because I had different team members coming in and out. And the fourth time I got so annoyed, like, why do I keep repeating myself? And I looked into the future and I just saw if I don't train the system, then the person, I will be repeating myself about how to do this one thing into eternity. Let me write it down. Or some people create a loom, quick little video where their screen going through on their computer screen what to actually do. And then, and then every, you know what, what ends up happening is everyone else is happier too, because people like to feel empowered and they don't want to bother you, the owner, you, the manager, the leader, the householder who knows it all. They don't want to bother you. They actually would rather be empowered and know how to do something themselves. But that requires again, getting out of our mind. So start with what's annoying to you, what you hate doing, what's draining you, dragging you down. It's possible you could eliminate it altogether. But if not, if you can just take what I call 1.5x the work up front to pause and go, how could I save myself time or someone else next time? You put a little extra work up front and then do 0.5 or 0.25 the work every time thereafter. I love this idea of really, by the way, I also think that most great ideas come out, out of extreme annoyance. Yes. <laughs> totally. Love that point. Uh, so true. And also if you know, okay, I'm going to do 1.5 amount of work now to save myself you know, that 0.5 on the back end. I love Jen's question here about how do you, what is that 0.5? Is it just staring at a blank screen and just kind of free flowing or brain dumping, whatever you want to call it, everything in your mind? What's your process for that? Interestingly, I don't solve them off always by just staring at the computer screen. The one I yeah. just described, where I, and I recorded a podcast episode called Train the System, Then the Person, was while I was walking because I was holding this challenge in my mind. I think it, it, it takes awareness to go, I'm repeating myself again, or I'm annoyed and not just want to keep moving. Because sometimes in the moment, it is easier to just do it again, do, do it, it the same old way, get it done. Yeah. But every now and then you're going to find you have a little extra capacity to spare. And I think that framing the challenge and then walking away can be helpful or mm -hmm. trusting your, my, my dad and I call it drop the bucket. So you drop the bucket of what you want to solve into the well of your brain and trust that the bucket comes back up when there's an answer. Like Sometimes that. though, it's just hearing from other people. Like I didn't get the idea. I now have a zap your zap setup that when someone purchases one of our higher ticket items. One of them, the free time operations dashboard is 
starts at $9.97 and it goes up to a $10,000 VIP day. That's the current pricing. It always could change. Well, if I'm not checking my email 24-7, which I don't because I'd rather be in a deep work mode, as Cal Newport calls it, I might miss when that comes in. And those are purchases I kind of want to know about. So I set up a zap that if a purchase comes in on one of those products, send a message to a Slack board or Slack channel. But when the Slack channel gets pinged, it also has instructions of what to do next. That's It's documented elsewhere, but it kind of gives the link to our documentation so that any team member who sees it gets a link that points them to the deeper full instructions of what to do next. And if I, Jenny, happen to see the Slack ping come in, maybe I'll write back to the new customer and say, hey, so happy you're here. And I'll get them onboarded maybe a little faster. And it's not, I hate feeling jumpy 24 yeah. seven across the whole business, but I do want to know when the big things are coming in. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially so, big things like that. You're like, alert me, please. Yeah, Stuff like that. And so to come full circle, it's not abstract. It's a real need. And I happen to hear a friend say that they have Slack or you can even sometimes I think set up a text message. I only use Slack for things that are time sensitive or very important. So if I get a Slack notice, it's like getting a text message, but for my, from my business. Mm. But I just heard a friend say it and I go, I want that. I want to know when the big, the big stuff comes in. And, and so subscribing even to the Zapier blog, 90% of it might go over your head. But every week you might think, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, I could send new Google Calendar entries over to a Notion database and then be able to take notes on the meetings I have. Great. I heard that from a friend too. So it's also just putting your ear to the ground a little bit. Oh, I, that's what we do every week. I'm like, whose homework <laughs> can we amazing. copy? Like, I, I'll just take it from you. You've already done there you it. Go. You've already prevented the time. What? Yeah, why do I have to do it? You did it already. So, you know, we could just share that. What do you, I mean, you've obviously been doing this for years. It's not like you picked this up six months ago. And obviously you've been working with clients for years. What do you find are like the top two sort of like roadblocks or things that you're always like, oh man, every client is always saying this is stopping them. One thing that I've been hearing a lot lately are people who feel um, just been, this has been on my mind, a sense of time clutter or what researchers yeah. call time confetti, where, and even Johan Hariri wrote the book, Stolen Focus. By design, a lot of our software and a lot of our apps, this is not going to be news to any of you, is stealing your attention and it is stealing your focus and we're letting it. So a lot of people that I talk to say, I just feel like I'm all over the place or my strategic and creative work, or even my creative energy is gone. I'm spending all day in meetings. My friend Sarah calls them tiny boxes on the calendar. The time confetti is when it's all chopped up into tiny little pieces. And I consider time clutter is where, just like in a house, things pile up, like in the junk drawer, in the closet. I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone else, where almost unconsciously, you've just said yes to too many, even little things where no one is a big deal. But once that time clutter piles up, you got to do a big refresh now. And so I would encourage everybody to, especially with summer here, we're extra motivated, not just to go spend free time in New York. As you said, in Texas, it's super hot and humid. It's just miserable to be inside for too long. And we have motivation to do an inventory and you, it won't come to you all at once, but I recommend even on a piece of paper, what's draining you, what's neutral and what energizes you. And 
be observant. You're not going to know the answer right away. It's an inquiry that you actually have to live a little bit and uncover. And then there's nothing saying you have to keep the things that are draining you. So I think just clearing the clutter, even doing that on an annual basis or a semi-annual where we give ourselves permission to say, this might've worked at one time, but it's not working for me anymore. And now I need to do things differently. Well, and you said something during the time confetti, not confetti party, confetti, confetti disaster right? Uh, oh, that we all, that, yes. that we all face. And something I wanted to flag for everybody, because when I found this out about you, I fell out of my chair quite literally that you in 2012 walked away from social media, that you were like these devices, these pings and dings and tings of all of these social media apps are draining my time and they're not giving me energy and I'm walking away from them. Okay. We, what, what is happening yeah. here? How have you been able to do that? How have you been able to grow? Cause I think for a lot of, I'll speak for myself entrepreneurs, but I'm curious if um, Jen and Jeff who are with me, who I know are also entrepreneurial, that just sounds like, a foreign concept because so much of our marketing these days is done on social media. So how have you been able to do that? Yeah, it was, it was a shift because I got on Twitter. So I started oh, my first website in 2005, pretty early, started blogging 07, Twitter 08. And I made a ton of friends through the blogosphere and through cupcake tweet ups and going to South by Southwest in Austin, hanging out with all these fellow nerds. I loved it. But then there reached a point and this shift happened where I felt I was just yelling into the ether. Like I was up on my soapbox and so was everybody else. And we were all just promoting stuff. I couldn't keep up with the main feed any longer. So I kind of felt like a jerk. I wasn't. And every time I posted, I already had this micro guilt set in. I'm going to owe a bunch of responses. So I would hesitate to get taken out of the day-to-day of my life to post in the first place. Then I would feel guilty if I didn't respond. But if I did, I felt my attention was completely fractured. Not to mention when I would get caught up in the infinite scroll of the home feed and I would always sign off feeling worse. And I just felt like maybe I need to go to therapy for this, that I'm falling into pits of compare and despair, or like I get covetous. I start wanting things like I want to look a different way and I want a different home and I want, I want things. It, it just, it, it makes me feel insecure and covetous and Oh, it wasn't good. I just felt like I don't want to spend my energy fixing that feeling. I'll just turn it off. And in doing that, I'll do the big work, the deep work, like writing my books. So although I was hesitant to stop being active on social media, I actually felt that the trade-off was I'm going to create, I'll either create a thousand tiny little things, tiny little posts, or I'll create the big ones. As you mentioned, three books, two podcasts, that that's where to find me. And that's as much as I can do. I, some people have the capacity to do more or they're happy to delegate it to a team. I just realized it wasn't sparking joy. I call it sailing the sea of shiny shoulds. It always came with a should, like I should be on social media in order to get the next book deal or in order to do what. And then I would just pull a Byron Katie and ask, is that true? Some people would say, I don't, how could you even have a business? How do you even have clients, customers, community without social media? I do think you got to pick a channel for your pub, I call it ongoing public original thinking on an ongoing basis. 
and you think out loud and share it with other people and share your own experiences and challenges and lessons learned, just like you're doing here with Coffee with Kim. Picking one resonant channel or two, for me, it's my newsletters and my podcasts. And of course, the book, that's a bigger project. That's enough. That's enough. I'd rather do fewer things and do them really well and do them in a deep way than scatter my attention everywhere and just feel miserable and like I'm no good to anybody. Oh, I could not agree more. It's like, if you're going to pick, I'm going all in on LinkedIn, like Jeff said, or I'm going all in on whatever. It's like, pick one. You're right. We're, we're sailing the sea of shoulds and our boats yes. are sinking. I know. Rough shiny waters shoulds. out there. And they're so shiny. You know, they, they look compelling. Yeah. Or, or by the way, if you are someone like you, Kim, are so clearly this is a zone of genius for you. And I love the fact that this is live on LinkedIn. And I, I actually thought when we were signing on, I'm like, what a gift that you do this in a way that's live. It takes a lot of extra coordination and a gift that all of you decided to show up in this moment with an actual time on the calendar. We know that, like, what do they call it? Appointment TV. That's out the window now with streaming services. It's really cool that we're all here together. So I'm very grateful to you. I just think not everyone has to be good at everything or enjoy everything. So if somebody loves TikTok, keep at it. I would never take that away. You can build a really big platform and a lot of leverage by picking one thing that you love, even if it is social media. So I have no judgment against the socials. It's just not where I thrive. And I'm curious when, when you have, whether it's socials or I think right now a really popular topic is side hustles. Everyone's talking about the side hustles, give a side hustle, two businesses, three businesses, like passive income, passive income, such a buzzy word right I now. Know. But how, you know, when you're thinking about really distilling down and in your words, really losing the busyness and really kind of getting to that free time and, and those beneficial deep work days, is it possible to do that when you, when you have traditionally been filling what empty time you do have with another business. <laughs> why have one job when I could have two or why have one business right. when I can have two? How do you continue, I guess, to make free time and then not fill that free time with other well, businesses? Well, yeah, it also depends how you define free time. So I have right. always had side hustles, even since I was a kid. I have a feeling you too, Kim, like you've always had a lot of things going on and just some of us love building, love, we're just little builders, can't help it, love it. It's the Legos. Don't buy I your know. kids Legos. This is what they grow up and turn into. And so when I say free time, it could be leisure and I would want us all to feel that we can be present when we have true time off. I also mean free time of that choice of autonomy. It's time you get to choose what to work on. And I also see free time as a verb. It's a skill. It's a muscle. We can all get better at creating free time. It's a skill. So when we think of free time as a skill and the art of creating more and more free time and more and more choice and autonomy, I don't mind however much someone wants to work if it's joyful, if, what, if they enjoy what they're working on. The question is, how do you, in a world that's competing for and profiting off of our attention, how do you continue to create structures for yourself that take your time or your autonomy back and allow you to be present when you are not at your desk working, but you're with your family? So for me, that involves being strategic about what you're working on, side hustle or not. Do you, do you enjoy it? Is it energizing? Are you flowing with it? Chunking that work for your best energy windows of the day. In the book, I call it golden hour, but all of us have our own circadian rhythm. Some, some people, 
My, I had a roommate once. She was so grumpy in the morning that if I even said good morning, she'd be like, ah, you know, she didn't get going till 11 a.m. And I was so chipper. And I used to think it was personal. Like she just didn't like me or she is she mad at me? And then meanwhile, another one of my clients said at 3 p.m., I don't even know my own name. That's how I am. I'm like useless at 3 p.m. So that's when I walk my dog or do an exercise class, something like that. So I think we need to be a little more, uh, I won't say selfish, but strategic with giving of our best energy window, put the best work in there and give it to yourself before you give it to anybody else. I think it's huge to really match or at least talk about energy windows with the people that you work with or the people that you live with or friends or family. But what I also think is really interesting that I wanted to ask you about in terms of the book and the systems that you outline in the book is you know, you gave the example of creating a loom, for instance, or using Notion, for instance. What happens when something works really well for you and maybe one or two other team members or people in your household or whatever, but for one person, it's not working. Like they actually don't like Notion or they don't like looms are confusing to them or something like that. How do you, how is it possible that everyone sort of gets the same system? Because I think that that's sometimes rare. Yeah, that's a good question. I've definitely had people who were kind of grumpy about my software. <laughs> I've had people yeah. who were grumpy or who didn't understand it. So some, some were cranky about it. Some were just unsure, had never used it, didn't know. Some were excited. Some I hear from a lot of people that transitioned to Notion and I have no attachment, like I'm not affiliated. Um, but where their team members start thanking them, and that's what happened for me. My team members were like, thank you. I can find what I need. And even new team members were saying, I didn't even have to ask. I knew where to look. That is what mm -hmm. makes my heart sing. For the ones in terms of format, you're right. Like, I don't actually like looms. I get really impatient. So if somebody makes a three-minute loom on how to do something, I'm a little bit annoyed because I'd rather see it in a list that I could read in 30 seconds. I find video hard to search and just extract the key information and then change it if something gets out of date. But then I know other team members have said all they had to do was watch a loom someone made for them and they, they got it figured out. They're more visual, almost experiential. So I think having a balance can be good. If I had someone on my team who was truly resistant, I would try to understand what's really going on. So what is it about Notion that's bugging you? Or um, like if there was already a structure in place, if it wasn't for my own personal, I think each of us personally has to have our own systems that fit us like the glove. But I would just try to dig a little bit into the resistance to see if it's solvable. Because sometimes it's just, as with things that fall through the cracks, it's usually not anyone's fault. It's just a systems glitch, just some piece that we haven't connected yet. And I love this question from Liz. You know, as we're setting up these systems, how do we make sure that the systems are actually working? And that we're actually, you know, working less or losing some of that busy work versus creating systems and they're not actually reducing time. Yes. There is such a thing as procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinationing. You will know best, Liz. I think for me, this comes from getting really clear on what I'm trying to accomplish. And then sometimes I do have to pull back from just tinkering and fine tuning to, to do the work. But I would say, how do you know? I mean, I do do so much off of intuition. Your question, how do you be sure your systems are making you work less? 
part of it is a feeling like, you know, when something's broken and there's friction because it's annoying and it's having negative impact, you're, you're dreading something or procrastinating, you're drained by something. And then, you know, when it's working because it's just off your mind altogether, it's solved and you don't have to think about it again. So I, I happen to really appreciate all these meal kits that send you the ingredients and you just have to assemble. My husband and I tried a bunch of those. Now we just have the pre-made meals. We use a service called Territory. Now they arrive. We don't even have the friction of assembling it at all. So we do cook every now and then. But otherwise, when someone's really hungry or on the verge of hangry, they pop it in, microwave this thing, and it's done or put it on the stovetop. So we know it's working because it takes the edge off. And I think whether it's software or again, something at home, that's the feeling that you have of like, oh, relief, peace. It's working. All roads lead back to annoyance. I really, <laughs> I, know, right? I just really feel like that's the takeaway. <laughs> if you're annoyed, this is probably for you. And if you're less annoyed, you know, it's yeah. working. That's, yeah. how, that's how you know. And, and then, well, as with necessity is the mother of invention, we could say, yeah, annoyance is the, is the father, brother, sister, I don't know, something gender neutral of a good system. So you're annoyed and, and what it starts to become fun. It starts to become a game. And, and that's what I enjoy about this type of thinking. It's, it's like coding with software, you know, when something's not working because let's say with building a website, it just doesn't look the way you want, or it doesn't function. So with this annoyance, I do think it's kind of fun, um, to just every week, even like what's annoying me most this week is you set your mind and you will solve it as long as you don't convince yourself that it's unfixable or the other story. Oh, I'm just not good at that. Oh, I'm just not good with software. I'm, oh, I'm not a systems thinker. It's like, it's a skill. You can troubleshoot just like the rest of us. It's just a willingness to try. Exactly. You just have to be willing to give it a go. It's true. And follow the steps. I'm really excited to kind of dig into these speed round questions because this oh, is when yeah. we just quite literally copy your homework, just full blown <laughs> plagiarism in the, in I love the it. best way possible. Um, I will also say for everybody who's going to start frantically taking notes about the wisdom that's about to come out of Jenny's mouth, please don't do that. Please be present with us and ask questions and hang out. Go to sendmenotes.com and we'll just send you all the notes. So put the pen down, sit back, relax. If you're listening to this later, keep washing the dishes and don't worry about writing this down. So See, you're saving everyone else time at scale because you take the notes once. Time. No one else has to do it. You know why? Because I find that annoying. Yeah. I find that annoying when I'm listening to a podcast and I want to take notes on it. And then I think I got to stop the podcast, stop what I'm doing, write this down, go back to the podcast. It's like, just send me it. Right. I don't even, I'm, I'm lazy in the yeah. best way possible. I don't want to take the notes. So you're right. And uh, that came out of annoyance. There you go. Per usual. All roads lead back <laughs> to being annoyed. Okay. What is the best thing that you have started using lately or doing lately that you love? You're obsessed with it. You're telling everybody about it. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, Notion, I'm sorry. I keep saying it. Notion, Notion. Is, one, it, Notion is one of those. You know what? It's lately. And I bet a bunch of you here are doing this too, but I've been Duolingoing now for 30 days. I'm learning Arabic because my husband speaks Arabic and French. And there are so many parallels of Duolingo and business building or time saving of streaks a little bit every day. There are some days where I feel so stuck and so bad and I can't read anything. And I just make one mistake after the next. 
and yet I don't want to break my streak. So I stick with it. And then other days it flows. And so Duolingo has been my, you know, if you've done Duolingo, you know, they make it so addictive <laughs> to keep going and they give you all these rewards. So also I love how it, how much Duolingo celebrates with gems and milestones and confetti and all the things. And I know we're really supposed to unhealthily step back from social media, but the Duolingo TikTok is freaking hilarious. Cool. Oh, my if husband you don't will have, love that. Yeah. If you don't have TikTok, don't download it. It's a dark, deep hole that you'll I fell into it of. an hour a day would pass as if it was a minute. Don't so do addictive. It. I know. Step away. Um, but it, they have a really funny, Duolingo has a really funny TikTok. So I can't wait. I'll, I'll toss that one out there too. Um, okay. I know we're supposed to be staying away from social media, but I also feel like I really want to, when I do log on to my one thing for me, that's usually LinkedIn, a little bit of Instagram too, but yeah, LinkedIn and Instagram. I really want to follow people that bring me joy. I want to like Marie yes. Kondo my feed. Yes into like happy, joyful humans or brands. Like yeah. you said, Duolingo, funny brand that I follow. When you do kind of creep onto the internet on the interwebs, are there brands or humans? I know we talked about Vanessa, who's our mutual friend, but are there people that you're just like that person? Love their stuff. Always oh, learning. Yeah. From them. Well, let me start by saying that I got my Instagram feed to be puppies, little piglets and bunnies. And so you think it has to be people, but I got the algorithm to just only show me pictures of dogs being adorable. I like actually I read it a lot of animals being bros as a great channel over there. And um, that was really rewarding because all the things I'm seeing was these adorable little animals being themselves and so cute and furry. So I find that sometimes following people is complex as are people in general. And so you can follow cute animals too. Um, also YouTube, there is something that we watched unwind. And I say, we because I'm always with my husband in the evening watching something, Lezap, L-E-Z-A-P. And it's just, it's a global take on sort of the funniest or weirdest or unfortunate moments across the internet. And so I'm not opposed to some of these more curated roundups. Like when you mentioned the Duolingo TikTok, we'll probably go watch it, but on YouTube. So where I'm not getting sucked into the app and the algorithm, I can still dip in to some of these things. I like as that. It's like yeah. little, little dips. Yeah, exactly. Dips that, yeah, that don't like pull you so far in. Because uh, I do have a tendency to do that. Let's see. Well, other than Kim Kalp, I mean, who else am I going to be creeping out? Oh, you know, it's the internet stalking now. Hello. Uh, Listen, I do love, love Vanessa too. Stalk. Our mutual friend, Vanessa. She's amazing. Yeah. The best. The best. And I actually feel like I don't have her book within arm's reach, but your books actually go well together because yours is blue and hers is red. And it just feels like I have like a colorful rainbow going on in my office. I love that. It's pretty great. Um, okay. If you could give all of us homework for the week that we have to do, it could be to read something. It could be to do something. It could be to download something. What would be the homework assignment that you would give us? I would write you a permission slip to do less. So if I'm going to give you any homework at all, it's not to do something other than look at what could you stop doing. So have this be your inquiry for the next week, the next two weeks. Like what can you drop? 
And maybe it's going to be a big project that comes to mind. Maybe it's going to be something on the home front. I'm not even telling you, you have to solve it yet. Like, oh, you have to delegate it, find the right person. No, maybe there's just certain bits of your time clutter on your plate that you can simply drop. And that's what I would encourage you to, to do over the next week or two, drop at least one thing, large or small. I love the idea of dropping and I will balance that out by telling everybody to go to itsfreetime.com <laughs> and just checking out maybe some amazing resources that you have listed on there. There's links out to obviously the books, the podcast, but I, it talks all about notion ah, as we know, but I just found that to be such a golden gem. I've sent mm. it to a million people. So Thank in addition you. to doing less, I would also say maybe just check out the it's well, free time website. I'm like you because the, the toolkit is free, which might be what you're referring to. It's freetime.com slash toolkit. I'm like you, Kim. I just don't want everybody else. Why do we all have to reinvent the wheel over and over individually? No. I would rather do something once and share mm -hmm. it out with everybody and have none of them have to do the work that I might have figured out the long, hard way. And so that is a passion of mine. I just love it. And if you want to see all the software I subscribe to, you can see that there too, because I actually have a Google spreadsheet that just everything I pay for, it's like 50 plus services and at what monthly cost. I love it. Okay. Where can people keep learning from you? Where's the best place that they should keep getting their, their fix of Jenny? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you to those of you, all the kind words in the chat. I'm sorry. I can't reply, but I really appreciate you all being here and, and saying whoever's going to buy the book. That's amazing. Uh, and Kim, this goes back to the social media. So, uh, as you all know now, I'm not active on social media, but the best ways to keep in touch are I do send a time well spent newsletter every Friday. And I have two podcasts, Pivot with Jenny Blake and Free Time with Jenny Blake. So you can look for those wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us for coffee. This was amazingly fun. And I just want to say thank you so much for your delightful time today. Oh my I really goodness. appreciate it. I second that you and I also have a mutual friend, Tony Neves, and he said to you that you're like so good at what you do. And I just, I'm lucky I got to experience it firsthand. So thank you, Kim, for doing this and having all of us here, having coffee with you live in this moment. It's a true honor and a joy. And I just love all the questions that you asked. So thank you so much. I'm not crying. You're crying. Okay. Everybody go to sendmenotes.com. We will get all the notes from Jenny and I hope everybody has an amazing rest of the week and finds that little bit of free time. So yes. thanks so much everybody for joining us. Thank you everyone. Thanks Kim. Thanks everybody. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest you know how to ask some hard hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.